Good morning. Everybody doing good? A lot of people came to church on a summer Sunday. Praise the Lord. That's awesome. Get your worship guides out, and uh, we're going to get right into the final installment of our series, One at a Time. I mean, how many are sad that this series is almost over? Are we sad? Ah, oh, man, it's been, it's been a good series, hasn't it? Um, we'll be kicking off something fun next week uh, called Be a Champion. So we're going to talk about what it means to be a champion. It'll be our summer series. And uh, we'll get going on that next week. Really excited about that. You can also look us up on Version. Just put in our church name or our zip code and the whole worship guide's in there. Everything that we kind of, everything we do, everything I say, it's all in there. You can just read it and go home. It's just kidding. Anyway, um, if you don't know who I am, you came in a little bit later. My name is Pastor Derek. I'm the lead pastor at Connect. I'm the lead servant. I love, uh, I love my church. Amen? I just love my church. I heard a lady tell me last Sunday, she said, you always say that. And she said, I grew up in church my whole life. I never heard a pastor say he loved his church. I thought, how sad. How sad. I just want you to know how much I love, love, love my church. One of the things that I love about my church is how different everybody is. Some of y'all different. <laughs> different people. In fact, I can prove it. We'll do a little survey. How many of you have come from, like, uh, we'll just do a little church background check, okay? This will be like, sometimes we have criminal checks. We're going to do a church background check. <laughs> Okay, so how many of you have come from a Baptist background? Baptist. Okay, wow. A Presbyterian? Presbyterian, no Presbyterian. Episcopalian? Catholics. Watch this. Bam! (laughs) 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 Woo! Woo! Man. Peace be with you. Oh, my goodness, that was awesome. <laughs> Pause for effect. Yes, yes. What's your background? What's your background? Jewish background. Woo! Jesus Messiah. Yeah, that's awesome. Barbara, you're awesome. That was rocking. Totally, totally cool. Yeah, um, how many from a Pentecostal background? Okay. I got I to gotta say, I kind of doubt it. I kind of doubt it because when you say Pentecostal, most people go, whoop, whoop. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I kind of doubt it. I kind of doubt that any of you guys are Pentecostal. You give a Pentecostal a tambourine, they can have church anywhere. You know what I'm saying? We all go to heaven, but the Pentecostals are the loudest. That's all I'm saying. All right, how many of you, uh, Connect was like your first church experience? Like, for the most part, you maybe did the Christmas and Easter thing once in a while, but first church experience, raise your hand. Cool, cool, that's cool. I love that stuff, all right? How many of you went to church, maybe a little, you kind of fell away, something pulled you away, and uh, you came back to church, and now you're here at Connect? Kind of, went, look at that, look at that, amazing, yeah. That's so, so cool. How many of you, just, we'll get out of the church thing. How many country music fans? Wow. Wow. How many would rather swim with alligators with your britches down? Okay. All right. Heavy metal band lovers. You listen to something from the 80s this week. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Oh, yeah. That's why I love my church. Every rose has its thorn, right? Okay. I love that. All right. How many of you, uh, we'll get serious eventually. How many of you, uh, high school degree? 
bachelors, masters. Wow. Doctorate. There's some smart people in this room, man. There's some smart people. Wow. All right. Um, how many of you with a past? We got to get real sometime. You know what I mean? Turn to your neighbor and say, it's going to get real. Turn to your second choice. It's going to get really real. Okay. So when I say that, I mean like, you know, some of you come from different backgrounds, maybe drugs and alcohol, uh, divorce, for example. How many parents still married? Raise your hand. Look, look, look around, look around, look around. That's not that many, is it? I'll tell you a lot right there? Okay. Yeah. So you're getting this? We're all totally, totally different. Very, very different. That's what I love about church. And I heard a person say this to me once. and said, beware of the church where you walk in and everybody's the same. Be a, beware of that. Be careful of that. There, there are a couple of myths, and you can, this is kind of bonus info as we get going, but there are two kind of myths that I want to address that are kind of roaming around in the church world. One is that we all have to be the same to be saved. And, and there, there could be nothing further from the truth than that. We're, we're all from different backgrounds, but as long as we, you know, have Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we have the same bloodline. He unites us. That's one of the things that unites us. We talked about this a few weeks ago in our unity message. But the second myth is that we all have, and this is the one I'll spend more time on today, but is that we all have to look the same. We all have to have a similar outside, a similar behavior, a similar... Um, you know, kind of uh, disposition and demeanor and things like that. And what is true is that um, because we're all different, um, we, we well, let, me, let me back up. Because that there, there's, this, there's this need for growth, and that's what this series is really all about. It's moving kind of from where we are to where God wants to be. Success has taken us from where we are to where God wants us to be. And that growth that needs to happen is a process. But the interesting thing is because we're all different, what, could, what is everybody's next step? If, we're, if we don't all have to be the same to be saved, and if we all don't have to, if we all don't have to be, if we're not all different, if we're all different, we have different behaviors, different backgrounds, then we all can't have the same next step. Does everybody kind of track with me? It's kind of hard. So I was, I was thinking about this, and I sat down, and I thought about this a lot, and, and, um, and if I was to sit down with you, let me put it this way, if I was to sit down with you uh, and have a cup of coffee, first of all, that would be I'd be a lot of coffee, you know what I'm saying? Like about, there'd be a lot of people, you know? Four cups in, I'd be like, <laughs> so, <laughs> Tourette's and whatever. But I can't do that, okay? Because I'd have a heart attack and we need, you know, anyway. But if I sat down with you and just was talking to you and we got together and, 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 and I wanted to help you grow and I wanted to help you move forward kind of in your walk with God, what, what would be your next step? What would be the one thing... This is what I was thinking. What would be the one thing I could share with you? I was like, how do I wrap this thing up? What would be the one thing that I could share with people that would help people grow? Now, I want you to take, if, if you're taking notes, go ahead and write this down. And you know what I'm going to say next. If you're not taking notes, go ahead and write this down, okay? I heard one pastor say, a friend of mine, he said, note takers are history makers. Come on, somebody. Is that good? So we need, to, we need to take good notes, all right? So here's the big idea. Here's the one thing that I want you to remember. Leaders don't just see God's word. They surrender to it. Leaders don't just see it. They surrender to it. That would be my wish for you as, as your pastor, is that no matter where you are in life, maybe you're here as you're, I like to say, a non-Christian or a pre-believer. I just think you're close. You're really close because you're here. 
you know. Um, maybe um, you're kind of in a different place in your career, your career development, your family life, your relational life, your financial life, whatever, physical life, all different parts of your life. The thing is, if we can, if we can surrender to God's word, we can really change. We can't just see it. We have to surrender to it. Is everybody tracking with me? So I'm telling you this, not wanting anything from you. I just want something for you. And there are two practices of every leader who surrendered to God's word, not just see it. And we're going to look at a couple of portions of scripture. One is Matthew 7, and another one's taken from the book of James, okay? Matthew 7 has this really practical text, and it is a follow-up to another um, incredible sermon, really the most, one of the most incredible sermons, maybe the most incredible sermon in Jesus' life. We know it as the Sermon on the Mount. Everybody heard of the Sermon on the Mount? It's his longest message, but it's a great verse-by-verse study if you're ever interested in that. It talks about marriage and money and, and, and anxiety and the cares of this life and worry and persecution and a whole bunch of different stuff. But when he preached, the goal when Jesus preached wasn't so that people would walk out of church and go, oh, that was a really good message. That was a good word today by JC. He we killed it. You know? Ooh, ooh, kill him. No, he didn't. It wasn't that. It, it was, he, he just, he wanted something to happen in people's lives. So he, he gets into this sermon, and he finishes it up, and he says this in Matthew 7, 24. Are you tracking with me, yes or no? It says, therefore, that's referring to the entire Sermon on the Mount, everyone who hears these words of mine and, everybody say and, puts them into practice. It's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So if you're from a church background, this particular verse brings back memories to me. The wise man built his house upon a... Remember that? House upon a... You know, the rains came up and the floods came down, that whole thing. Some of you guys are like, God, why'd you have to put that song in my head? That'll be there like, all, it's already there, planted, it's too late. Don't get mad at me, because I'll go Father Abraham on all of y'all. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Consider yourself blessed, okay, that you don't know what I'm talking about, all right? So Jesus said that, do these things like a wise person who built his house on the rock. He didn't say, the wise man who hears these words of mine. No, Jesus said, the one who hears them puts them into practice, slash, or applies them, is the one whose life will be changed. So here's the big point, number one. What do leaders, what do leaders look like? What, a, what is a leader, and I like to say in progress, because leadership is a process, a journey. It, it is, is, a, is progress is hopefully what God's wanting from us, not perfection. So here's point number one. Leaders don't throw rocks, they stand on them. Okay? They stand on one in particular. Jesus is our rock. He didn't say, again, you'll be blessed, you'll be strong, life will be awesome, you know, your hair will always look perfect every day if you just hear these words of mine. That's not what he said. And we know that, like we know that. Intuitively we know that. But here's the deal, and you can write this down somewhere. Information about God never leads to intimacy with God. So people, we have a preoccupation with, give me more information because that will change me. Learn and then I'll lead differently. Nothing could be further from the truth. We're missing a very important part of the principles of leadership. In fact, information never changes us. It's, it, the process is information, application, transformation. 
That's the process. Information is not, is, it's not what we know about God that changes us. Application, it's about what we do when God speaks to our hearts. And trust me, he's always speaking. That's really what, that really what coming together sometimes corporately, it, we should also be doing what we, what we do corporately, we should be doing privately. In fact, the corporate experience will be more powerful if we cultivate it in our private experience. Is there anybody out there listening to me? So that, that whole you know, exchange with God's word. He's talking to you through his word. The Bible says that the Bible, the word of God, is alive. It's alive. It's not just like, you know, a bunch of letters in a book, like another book you would read. So when you look at the word of God and you look at another book, they're completely different because one's alive and one's not. But what makes it come alive, the Bible says this in Hebrews 4, the word of God is living and active. The King James says, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder the soul and spirit, and it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Okay, so it judges, and it, and it assesses, and it confronts, and it, and it challenges us, the word. But it's living and active if we live and act on it. It's conditional. And the transformation comes when we apply what we know. Let me illustrate this, and, and I'll probably have a few illustrations that hopefully I can get through them all. But I was talking to a friend at my gym, and he told me about his parents who, they were, he was concerned about his parents because they were getting older and they were in terrible shape. And they, uh, in fact, he said, my dad is one biscuit away from a heart attack, is what he said. He was, and I said, you know, we all know people like that. We all maybe have had and been in those kind of situations. And so they decided kind of as a family, we're going to do something about this. And so they were, they were not, sh- not sure what their next step was. And, of course, all of a sudden this commercial comes on the television, and it's that, I think, I think his name is Tony, Tony Horton or Tim Horton or whatever, P90X videos. Anybody? DVDs. Anybody know about that? How many have done the P90X DVDs? Anybody? Okay, yeah. Anybody, when you did them, Want to punch Tony Horton in the face, you know, once in a while when you're about halfway through. Okay, I see those hands. Release them, Lord. Um, so anyway, these guys buy these, these uh, DVDs, these, these um, P90X DVDs, DVDs, and they decide they're going to go forward. So one day he comes home from work, and his, he lives with his parents, and he hears these, the, Tim Horton, you know, shouting and doing his thing, and the TV's on in the living room, and, and, and he's kind of getting giddy because he's thinking, Mom and Dad. They're probably in there doing, a, you know, doing all the P90X stuff, right? And so he sneaks around the corner, and he looks at the TV. Sure enough, the thing's blasting, whatever. And, he's, and, and, and then he decides to step into the living room because he's so excited. And he looks over, and he sees Dad over on the recliner with a bowl of ice cream. <laughs> Mom is over on the couch with some of that, like, buttered popcorn, and she's just going to town on the popcorn and the ice cream. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? You're, you're, not, you're not thinking right now, well, that'll do it. <laughs> Nobody's thinking that, right? Nobody's got that in their mind like, oh, yeah, this is really going to change their lives. We, I think we all agree that DVD is not changing their life because even though they were gathering information, they could probably recite the next thing that he's going to say. There was no application. If there's no application, there's never going to be any, what, transformation. And here's what I don't want for us at Connect. This is, this is kind of where I'm going. I don't want this to be a place where we show up and we just pop in the DVD and we leave and there's no change. That would be the worst thing ever. I think... 
many of us, we walk out sometimes, we think, man, I feel better. Boy, I feel so much better. I learned something. I learned something. And then, you know, you have a comment, man, are you going to change? Are you going to do anything different? No, 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 man, I ain't going to do anything different. I just feel better. I just feel so much better. You know what? I feel conviction. I feel conviction. I, I felt so bad, but now I feel so much better. Are you going to make any changes? No, I'm not going to make any changes. I just know so much more about myself. In fact, some of us, we just, we like it because we, we, we feel better, you know. We got, came under some conviction, and so the devil even warps that into making us think, well, I feel conviction, but I'm not going to do anything about it, but I'm going to enjoy what was wrong because it's contrasted with what's right. It's weird. Jesus said the person who is ultimately blessed is not the hearer, but instead the person who takes time to actually build. He's suggesting there's a process. Building is a process on a solid foundation. Are you out there? Listen, this is the part we don't like, especially in our culture today. This takes time. 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 We in our culture, we don't understand the word wait. We don't understand the word wait. I get a picture from one of my kids. In fact, I had a picture from one of my staff. It came up on my app, one of my apps, Voxer. It came up on my app, and it wasn't showing up. I, I pulled it up. It was like three seconds. Only took like three seconds, but like 2.5 seconds. I'm like, come on! <laughs> I mean, I'm ready to go freak show. Because the, the picture wouldn't download. All the references to spiritual growth, you know what I mean? They're, they're typically in the Bible, they're agricultural in nature. We live in a technological culture where we like it and we like it now. We want microwave, you know, church. We want microwave Jesus. We want microwave messages. We want microwave, you know, life change and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, when you plant a seed in the ground last night, there ain't no plant this morning. It's going to take a little bit of time. Married couple was in trouble one time. I was talking to them, and I was like, you need to do this. You need to try this, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, I get a phone call. He said, Pastor, it's not working. I said, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Are you talking to me right now? He said, it's not working. I said, how many days has it been? He said, three. I said, so wait a second. So it's been 13 years you've been married doing this stupid stuff, and it's been three days, and you're thinking it's not working? This is a better point for me than it is for everybody else. I don't know if you know what this is like. but So you sow bad seed for 13 years, and then in three days you're mad and ready to quit. It takes time. It takes time. He's like, Pastor. Basically, he was asking for something more profound. Can you give me some one of your wisdom nuggets? You know, I got nothing. I got. And I told him, I said, I got nothing for you. Suck it up. <laughs> you know why? Because heart change can be in a moment, but life change is a process. Many, many, many moments. Turn your neighbor and say, that's good. Okay? So we want to help that. That's what Connect Vision is all about. Verse 25. Everybody still with me? Verse 25 says, the rain came down. The streams rose, the winds blew, they beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the what? Now, notice Jesus doesn't pussyfoot around. He says, there's a storm coming. There's a storm coming, you know? He tells us the truth. And you don't have a radar that can tell you when all the storms are coming, basically. Every one of us have this one thing in common. We're one phone call, one text away from a storm. <laughs> 
That's why we have to have a foundation that's ready for storms. And sometimes I think it's bad theology and the church kind of touts and, and, and teaches this kind of stuff that if you give your life to Jesus, you will always be protected from the storms. It's not what it says in the Bible. Jesus is telling you, you know, you're going to have a great life. Your hair will be perfect when you wake up every morning. Your car will never break down. You'll always get the best parking spaces at the mall. The bargains will always be there for you. You won't need a coupon. Please, come on. Your dog will never get sick. Oh, I could just go on. You'll never grow old. All that kind of stuff. The reality is Jesus said, if, if, everybody say if, if we build our life on a solid foundation, then when the storms of life come, it won't fall. So you're either going into a storm, into a storm, or just came out of a storm. There's going to be lots and lots of storms. It's a fact. In fact, I was thinking about this, and I don't, I don't know if I can do all this today just because of time, but every, this, this is a cool verse, and then I'll show you this little illustration, okay? It says in verse 26, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, all right? All of you guys know what I'm talking about. Basically, look, if you guys can see this, there, there's, this represents two people's lives, okay? On the outside, these two people's lives look exactly the same. Right? Your life is made up of all kinds of choices, experiences, relationships. You know, you've got um, financial life, you've got your emotional life, you've got your kid life, lots of kids, even more kids, a <laughs> couple more kids, you know what I mean? You've got work life, you've got all these different aspects of your life. All these things make up your life. And, and, it's, and it's built on something. Your life is built on something. There's all these things that are going on in your life, all these different choices and experiences and relationships and all these different things that are happening in your life. And the Bible says, Jesus is telling you, if you build that on a firm foundation, you'll be secure. Things are going to go well for you. It's going to be okay. You're going to be strong. But there's going to be storms. And there's going to be winds come. And there's going to be floods come. There's going to be lightning and thunder. All kinds of things to shake this up. And all these things in our life are affected sometimes by these outside circumstances. It's going to happen. Everybody's in a storm. Over here, again, same life. All these experiences, all these different things that are going on in our life. We all have tons of, of, of different you know, things that are happening. Just like we're different people, we have different things that are happening in our life. Now, what separates these two things from each other? You know, we like to think, oh, well, um, going to church, that's going to that's gonna make, that's a solid foundation. Listen, attendance at church doesn't make a person uh, secure, solid. It's repentance that makes a person secure, solid. God's not interested in our attendance. He's interested in our repentance. And again, the outside of these two lives, they look the same. But here's what I've discovered. So many people, they get upset with God. They get totally mad at God when the storms of life come, basically, and they knock this whole thing over. That's, that's what people's life gets like when the storms come. Now, in this case, it was built on a solid foundation, so when the storms came, it stayed, it hung on, it lasted, it persevered, it, it overcame. This side over here, when the storms came, because it wasn't on a firm foundation, it, it, a big crash. And what's interesting, and this is my experience, this is what I've seen so many times, over and over and over again, when this happens, you know what people do? People blame God. 
they get mad. Wait a second. You told me that storms wouldn't come. You told me that I would be able to rise. You know, that I would, I, I, life would go great. Life would go perfect for me because me and you, Jesus, and we get upset with God. And I don't know about you, but God doesn't want any one of us to experience that. That's a mess. What's interesting is we go from that mess to another mess. We build on that mess, and then we get mad at God again. We get upset with God again. I don't want that for anybody, and you know what? God doesn't want that for anybody either. Build your life, your dreams, your hopes, etc. We do all that kind of stuff, uh, and we build it on the wrong foundation. I'll come back to that. Number two, leaders don't just listen to the word, they live it. Now, I'm going to turn to that other text from James. This is an incredible book. Um, If you can think about James, James was the half-brother of Jesus. Imagine how, this is just a confirmation that Jesus is who he says he was, because James is the half-brother of Jesus, and he became a a devout follower of Christ. Imagine how difficult it would be to convince your sibling you're the son of God. Imagine Devin trying to convince his sisters, I am Jesus. I mean, yeah, whatever. You know? I mean, you'd have to come back from the dead. (laughs) That's funny. I don't care what you say. I think it's pretty funny. Anyway, he writes this incredible book, five chapters. You can do it in five days. It's super practical. It's awesome. But James 1, verse 22, it says this Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. That you should underline, underline or circle that word deceive. It says, Do what it says. Write this down. This is, this is not in your notes. I don't think it is. But the greatest deception is self-deception. The greatest deception in life is self-deception. No one has lied to you more. No one has hurt you more. No one has manipulated you more. No one has distorted reality for you more. No one has done more to hurt you than you. Than you. Self-deception is dangerous. Self-deception is painful. I learned this recently when it came to my eyesight. As you notice, recently I've been wearing glasses. And because when I look at my notes, I find myself going, wah, wah, wah. You know what I mean? A lot of that. And sometimes, you know, I'm squinting so crazily that, um, just hang tight, sweetie. Um, it's squinting so crazily that uh, it looks like I'm going to have a seizure. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm like, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So I realized that I needed some help. And for starters, um, what I realized also is that I've seen what poor eyesight does to people because I'm paying attention to it more now. What I didn't realize is how many people have poor eyesight and ignore it. <laughs> I was shocked by that. I started, people say, hey, you got glasses. Yeah, I got problems with my eyes too. How long have you known that? Like 10 years. And they're squinting at me while they're doing it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, what? And, and, and my, my daughter, for example, Maui, my oldest daughter, I just found out just this week, she's legally blind in one eye. You know? And so she's like 20 and like 200 or something like that in one eye. And so even more than that, what I didn't realize was how distorted the world we live in really is when we don't deal with that problem. In fact, my daughter was saying something. She was like, Dad, you're better looking than I thought. You know what I mean? Like... Before, you were just a big blob, you know what I mean? And now you're a person, you know, it was. So my sister's the same way. She got glasses, and, and we were just, I was just a shape to her, you know. Uh, uh, you know, I don't know, which, I'm never, I forget what those kind of shapes are. Um, there's a word for that. Anyway, I'm losing the. Um, but we think we're seeing reality, but we don't sometimes see until we have our vision improved. That's what happens. We're, we, we're, we're just, it's like distortion and deception are similar. I'm trying to draw a contrast. When we don't do something about it, 
our failing eyesight, for example, we slowly become blind if we just continue to ignore it. Are you guys seeing where I'm going at all? People do that in life. We just ignore the truth. We, we just pretend it doesn't matter. We think, well, that applies to Pastor Derek. He needs glasses, but I don't need glasses. And I'm not saying everybody needs glasses. Just please go with the thing. I, if, I stand in faith. God will heal your eyes. Praise the Lord. But people do this all the time. In other words, we think, I know people need glasses, but, but, you know, but because the signs aren't coming into focus for them anymore. But when that happens to me, it's different. It's different. That's just maybe something in my eye. It's like guys when they cry, there's just something in my eye. You know what I mean? We kind of call it something else when it's really the same. When people just, you know, meanwhile, they're having the same problems that you are. People look like Gumby on a stick to them. And there's different things that are happening. And, and they're, just, they're just being blinded by them. And I know other people who have impaired vision. And, but, but I'm different. Really? Are you? Are you? So we all do this. This happens in church, too. We get deceived. Let me illustrate this. You know, I know people who say things like this to me, and, and, and this will be strong, but some people say, you know, well, you know, that whole thing about sex before marriage, I agree. I, I don't think you should. Yep, absolutely. The Bible, you know, I, I support that. Um, but, but my situation is different. We have a special relationship. For us, it's not sex. For us, it's... It's we're, it's, it's, we're making love. Okay, okay, all right. That's self-deception, okay? I know abusing alcohol is bad, and the Bible talks about, you know, that, but, but it's really not. It, it's really not. It's, it's moderation. I can handle it. I just need to release some stress and, and, and once in a while, and it's okay for me. And that's self-deception. You know, when we walk out of church today, some of us will say, you know, that message, you know, that was right on. I mean, it hit, hit a lot of nerves, hit a lot of spots for me. It was awesome. You know, it, it's, but it's true in our minds for other people. Other people. And this is dangerous. Why? Because, because when, we, when, we're, when we act like that, then it, that's what's going to happen. Because it's not built on the rock. It's built on a mess. It's built on a mess. And it's dangerous. Check this verse out, verse 23, James. It says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Now, I think 2,000 years, I think it's interesting that the Bible uses the term mirror, but I don't think, I don't think they had the kind of mirrors that we have today, if you know what I'm talking about. How many of you have spent some time looking into one of these? Like today, probably, right? Like, we get up every single day pretty quickly, and we get right in front of one of these. You know what I mean? We're kind of just doing the check, you know. Okay, we do the booty check. Okay, and then we, you know, you know you do it. You're in church, everybody. <laughs> you know you do that check, right? And, and when we go to that mirror, we don't just go to that mirror and we're like, and your hair's all matted, and there's saliva coming down your face. You know, and, and your, your underwear's up in a wad. You don't just, oh, I'm good, and just walk away. No. You stay in front of that mirror until you make whatever is wrong right. Does that make sense to anybody out there? Is anybody tracking with me? Hopefully, 
We all spend a little time in the mirror. Some of us have to spend a little bit more time in the mirror than others, perhaps. But we make what is wrong right. None of us just kind of saw ourselves and then just kind of walked away. Some of us, you know, had multiple mirror experiences. Some of us, we grabbed, you know, this and we had a mirror behind us so that we could do the booty check one more time. But we also, you know, we're just trying to see the backside of our head. Make sure our hair's okay. Make sure everything's kind of lined up. Some of us, we, we have those mirrors. Now, I don't have the one that I wanted this morning, but the ones, this is the, mag, this is the magnified one, right? Some of, you, some of you women are like, that's Satan's mirror. You know what I'm saying? Because every flaw on the planet shows up, right? And you're looking at yourself. Then you've got the ones with the magnification, and then ding, the, mirror, the lights go on. You're like, oh, my God. There's like a nose hair going wild. <laughs> Every time you looked in whatever mirror that you looked at, you didn't look at the mirror and then just walk away. But if you did, you'd forget. But no, you stood there and you made that booty look better. You made sure your hair was right. You made sure your teeth, there wasn't spinach in there from the night before. And if there was a wild hair coming out of your nose, you dealt with it or you should have. You should have done that. You deal with it. You dealt with it. That's what Jesus is telling you through the book of James to do spiritually. As we look into the word, every single time you look into the word, God will confront you on a certain issue. Every time we encounter him, he's going to confront certain things from his word. Every time he does this, he doesn't do it from a, a, a position of condemnation. No, he won't do it that way because that's not what he's about. It's usually correction, protection, direction. That's usually the motive because he's a good parent. He's going to tell you what, he's going to take you where you need to go but don't necessarily want to be. He's going to tell you what you need to hear to, in order to get to a place of transformation in your life. That's what he's up to. I would call this being a loving parent because he wants to keep you from that. Because he knows if you don't have a solid foundation, the only way you're going to have a solid foundation if you're just not a hearer, but you're a person who lives on it. And if you build on this, then things are going to, you're going to be blessed. Look at what he says in his word. Verse 25, but whoever looks intently, everybody say intently. That's this. Hmm, wow. We got some work to do. Okay, eyebrows, serious, need some serious help. Is that hair coming out of my ears? Oh, my God. Intently dealing with some of the things that God is trying to show us into the perfect law. Perfect law basically is like, you could say, God never said, oops, I made a mistake. I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> that gives freedom. What does it give? Freedom. When you look into that and you deal with that, it brings freedom. Isn't that what not only God wants for you, but you want for you? Some of you are getting mad because I'm still having these same problems over and over again. My financial life is a mess. My relational life is a mess. This is my second. I'm going into my third marriage and I'm scared to death. It's because it's built on that. And because you kept looking into this and walking away. Instead of making the necessary changes along the way. Jesus says do it consistently. That gives freedom and continues in it. It's progressive, a process, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it. What will they be? They will be blessed in whatever they do. Do it consistently God's way. You'll be blessed in everything. Everybody say everything. Amen. When I was a young Christian, I'll close with some of this stuff. When I was a young Christian, I thought, 
I'll just be honest with some of the young people here. I thought the whole Bible could be reduced to two letters. No. No. Like, I thought that in particular, I had, I had issues with, about this with the subject of sex. Like, it just, I just didn't, I had issues with that. You know? Just, no, you can't do that. No. What about that? No. Can you do that? No. Don't, uh, don't. I didn't even ask the question yet. I know, no. It's the same thing with finances. You know, it's like, I want to buy this. I'd like to get that. No, no. You know, I, I want to hate that person because he's a jerk. No. Everything was no. But then I realized later it was yes, not yet. It was different. It's like everything God created, it was all good. But there was this process, this waiting, this journey that he wanted to take me through so that it could be enjoyed and experienced. But in order for me not to be messed up by it, I had to submit to his word first. He was teaching me about true satisfaction instead of instant gratification. And I heard Andy Stanley say this thing. He said, well, actually, I had this guy one time. He said, Pastor, you know, purity probably comes easy for you. You know what I mean? Probably really easy for you. You know, you probably don't even think about those kind of things. I said, what? Are you kidding me? I said, I'm a human being just like you. I said, but what, 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 what keeps me moving in the right direction is seeing things through God's eyes. If we can see as God sees, do as he says, we can be changed. Okay? So Andy Stanley says this is a great thing for you young people to remember. Anybody single. Purity paves the way. Purity now paves the way for intimacy later. So the thing that we really want, God knows what you really want. You don't want just instant gratification. You want true, meaningful satisfaction in a relationship. And so he's trying to say, yes, you can have that, but just wait. Because it's going to be better later if you can make a sacrifice or commitment now. And I'm doing something in you so that when you are with him or her, it'll be at another level. You, and, and, and listen, there are people in this room, and I could do a whole thing on this right now, and I won't. We've done sex series here before. But some of us are in relationships right now, and because we didn't practice purity then, we're not experiencing intimacy now. Because we didn't do as God says. And it wasn't trying, he was trying to restrict us. He was trying to protect us. He wasn't trying to keep some of the blessings from us. He was actually trying to make sure you'd be blessed for a really, really long time. It's going to be quiet on some of these points and I get that. But it's the same thing. I could switch to another set money. I used to have an issue with that. Like, what do you want? Why can't I do what I want with my money? Because it's not your money, it's my money. And, and, and I saw the whole thing about first fruits and the tithe and until I decided to just say, okay, God says to do it, and not just be a hearer about it and say, yeah, that's good, you should do that, you should do that. Until I decided to do that, I wasn't changed. But when I did, I went from hearing to application to transformation. I would never turn my back on that principle and that practice now because it's changed me from the inside out. And there are people in this room that I could have, they would gladly and I, and I stand up and testify about the principles of giving. If you don't want to give in this church, please, don't give this church. That's not what I'm trying. I'm trying to get something to you and maybe even through you so you can help other people. So don't misinterpret this. I'm just saying there are people who said, oh, God says that? I'm not just going to listen to it. I'm actually going to do it. And I'm literally, I, I get to sit front row and center with those people and see the changed lives. Literally, totally transform lives because of that. So here's the deal. Some of you checked out a while ago because when I knocked that thing over, you either got scared and left, or you thought, that's my life. That's my life. It's, it, my life is just smashed. It's a mess. And, 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 that's, and you're kind of like, that's me. So I'm checked back in. What do I do? 
What can I do to do, what can I, what kind of changes can I make? This is what I think you need to do. I think we're going to pray, but I think you take one thing, just one, that's going on in your life that God is dealing with, and you respond to that. Like, the one step is to respond to the one thing that God is trying to deal with in your life. And sometimes you maybe need to, five second rule. You might need to chew on that for a little bit. Here's the thing about gum. You need to spit it out eventually. Right? Would you stand on your feet and let me pray for you? I want you to just close your eyes and think about this for a second. What if you stopped seeing God's word, you actually started to surrender to it? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Just honor the person to your right or to your left. What if you stopped seeing it and you surrendered to it? God's desire is that you wouldn't live a life like that fallen over gumball table over there. He wants to build a firm foundation on your life, but you have to surrender to his word. You have to build your life on a rock, a strong foundation. You have to not just hear it, but live on it. Take that one thing that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you today. Would you deal with that? Lay it at his feet and say, okay. Because I think he's speaking to people right now. I know how he works. Never mind everything. What's the one thing that you know you need to deal with? Are you willing to surrender that to Jesus Christ today? Totally and completely surrender that to him. Don't just chew on it and stew on it, but there needs to come a day where you're like, no, I'm giving that thing up. I'm surrendering that thing completely. I'm, 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 I'm removing myself from that practice or I'm going to discontinue that, that path. I'm going to pull away from that relationship. I'm going to begin that discipline. I'm going to begin to practice what I be- say I believe. And my convictions and my habits and my experiences are going to match. What is he saying to me? If you're here today... Maybe there's one thing you need to do in order for this journey to actually even begin. You need to surrender your life first to Jesus Christ. The one thing you need to do. While everybody else is thinking about that one thing, the Holy Spirit is speaking to them, a particular thing, as an existing Christ follower. Maybe you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ. If that's you, I want to introduce you to the only person that can help you through whatever you're dealing with. There's no friend, there's no person in the universe that can help you better than he can. And he wants to come into your life, but he's just waiting for you to say yes. And if that's you and you want to say yes to Jesus and you haven't done that, would you, between me, you, and God, without, I'm not going to call you out, I'm not going to call you down front, but I am going to ask you to raise your hand, good and high, and just say, Pastor, that's me. I want to invite Jesus into my life today. Is that you? God bless you. Is there anybody else? All the way at the back there. Thank you, sister. Thank you in the front here. Anybody else that says that's me? I don't want to walk out of here with making that connection today. God bless you. God bless you. Church, and those people that raised your hand, would you please just join me? Sincerely say this prayer. Believe, you know, this, this prayer won't save you. Believe it in your heart will. But just say this. Say, Jesus, I don't want to just see your word. I don't want to just hear your word. I want to surrender to your word. Today, a fresh start, a new beginning. Make me a new creation. In Christ Jesus, I surrender my life to you totally today. In Jesus' name, calling upon you 
save me. In Jesus' name. Now, let me pray for you. Father, I pray that you save every person that confessed Jesus as Lord and every person that decided today to deal with that one thing. I pray, Lord God, that as they walk out of here today, it's not, wow, that was, that was really good. Are you going to make any changes? Yes. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. Have a great Sunday morning. Love you all.